Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can I give you some clap feedback, Jen? Yeah, yeah, please. Sometimes, and it's strange because I wouldn't say you're reticent as a per- in personality, but sometimes you just caress your palms when you're clapping. Can I just say how much of a headache it was to try and find your pathetic little clap in the group right. version yeah. of okay. when we did the crossover creep with Juvenalia? <laughs> I was like, like your clap. Taken. It your was clap literally just the two so- little. I don't know what it's, happens to me. Your clap is such a whisper that it doesn't it register just, visually on the audio no, file. No, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't. let's do it again. One, <laughs> two, three. Ah! <laughs> but again, it's that sharp spike that we need. So once again, you fucked Clean. It. Clean clap, Jen. One, two, three. Come up here. Yeah. (laughs) Little spark. Beautiful. Simply stunning. Harassment in the workplace. Yep. Frankly, is what it is. You can make a complaint to HR, which is me. (laughs) Self appointed HR. At the creeps. Just email that really appropriate creeping for love at Gmail to submit your formal harassment in the workplace complaint. Um, everything else is going well. There is a creep of the week, and that's these fucking people. No, lots of nice people live in Texas, but also people live in Texas who are on TikTok who thought the snow was a hoax. What? So TikTok videos were plenty of people burning snowballs, you know, and saying, look, it's not melting. But don't you know what was happening? Sure wasn't this fire from the lighter just vaporizing there was no it was just you know immediately gone and then the black they could see on the snowball of course just the the smoke detritus i mean it's absolute fucking madness cassie it's madness they shouldn't be allowed they shouldn't even in one there was a woman with a small child putting snow into a microwave see you know saying like thanks bill gates it's about to explode because of all the metal you've put and of course it didn't explode (laughs) and there was no teaching of the child the child's just left there thinking okay mom Yes, I believe you. Everything you're saying is, it's, how do we stop this? It's gone too far. How do we stop it? All the conspiracies and the mistrust and the lack of information. I don't know, Jennifer. Seriously, though, that is ridiculous. I love that that's what you hit upon of this Texas cold snap. What about Ted Cruz going to Cancun? And he left a little dog, nice segue, he left his little dog Snowflake behind. (laughs) (laughs) Did he call it Snowflake on the back of the liberal, was that a dig at us? I'd say so, at us. Do you know, us young people. Do you know how he got snared in this um, Cancun trip? I do believe I heard a voice message exchange or did I see a text message exchange? Yes, a WhatsApp group outed him. So he was... can never be sure who you're talking to, who's in the group. Well, you have to be really, honestly, I think, you know the way Jen and I are in a WhatsApp group and we, there's a phrase, permission to open the vault. And that is the vault of silence. 
nothing mm. you cannot share once the vault is open that's for the person to bitch in a safe space but I no, always no, no. wondered what Ted that Cruz meant in the gone. screenshots that Jen sent on to me <laughs> uh, no! anyway Ted Cruz got outed in his own whatsapp group boom I keep picturing but I'm not sure of, of this that it's like the parents teacher sorry the parents school whatsapp group because in his statement he was like with school cancelled for the week our girls asked us to take a trip with friends wanting to be a good dad I flew down with them last night and um, I just feel a bit like that's kind of copy pasted from the group message that he sent which was like with school cancels next week let's go and fuck ourselves down to Cancun lads and then one of the like other moms was like fuck you Ted Cruz I'm gonna rain CB CB something well, I'll tell you this. There's a family floating around my neighborhood with a deep tan. A recent one. Homemade home home like, sunbed? The whole family? Would you throw children on a sunbed? Depends <laughs> on how bored you are. Nice home experiment. Flip it over in five minutes. Crispy kid. And there you have mahogany kid. Uh, yeah, so I, there's all sorts of dastardly bastards floating around. Sure, that whole dentistry scandal. Was it Lanzarote or Tenerife or somewhere? Yeah, and they had all these Irish people booked in for veneers, and they weren't showing up. And then for they were like, "Did their appointment. an appointment?" So it was all yeah. about getting a letter to say you had to go to Lanzagrotti, as it's known, um, to get your teeth for done or a medical a something or other. So then, bloody talk about ruining it for the rest of us. Lanzarote dentists have a blanket ban now on Irish on Irish people. people. Yeah. Yeah. What a perfect And I was planning to get my veneers next week. Oh, oh what a finally. shame. I'll file the, I'll right, I'll file them down to points. <laughs> then you get your shellac machine going. And I think that's basically the ba- we have the basics. We definitely ticked. can yeah. build a set of teeth ourselves, not a prop. Lydia has some um, high temp glue in the candle business that I can definitely we can use and get some and it's on one of those squirted in guns that we can like, yeah stand at a yes. distance i've got long arms that's two meters and we can <laughs> we can inject the glue into your mouth i don't know Jed, well, can you buck the teeth into your mouth from a distance i'm sure it'll all work out do i want dental I think... work from somebody we have nicknamed peg teeth and you, you do, don't see because them now hers have been fixed <laughs> yeah that is true that is true yeah. Plus, um, a good fingernail, not a French tip. You can buy these fabulous stick-on nails. You could make a fine-looking pair of front teeth out of filing them down. Oh, my God, they'd be gorgeous and white. Shapes. Yeah. I know, that's what I want. Oh, you see, Sophie. it's not the shape of my teeth, although I have a slightly bockety front tooth, but I really want white teeth. I, that's Awful. the easiest like Seb, thing to do. I asked Seb to take a picture of me for something I had to send on to my publisher, and I smiled like this with my mouth open, yeah. and he was like, oh, we'll just take that again. I need to close my close your mouth there. Close your mouth. Oh, oh God! I know. Seb, it's okay. Like, I'm not know, getting any younger. Well, to be honest, you just kind of save myself, save me from people turning away in disgust when they saw this picture. So that's guys, nice. that's low. That's terrible. Okay, I, what Jesus, stories do we speaking have? Speaking of today? teeth, I have a story about a man and uh, going on a trip for a lifetime with his uh, skydiving buddies. Two of them, unbelievably beautiful adventure in Costa Rica. And it ends extremely poorly. <laughs> and I also have another extreme bad ending that I'll tell you about. All skydiving related and the ocean. Excellent. Wonderful. I so, have... Okay, further speaking of teeth, I have two hungry, hungry Germans and a very drungry Indian. That's my cre- That's my headline. Drungry. Yeah. Oh, we have okay. something. I mean, we've got something Cassie's been brewing. Oh, I have. Right. I've actually... I have, because our output from the creep now is like, we're, we're on like th- th- three-ish stories a week because we've got our live, we've got this, we've got our little creep to creep that we have to think about. Uh, we've got just a general talking to other creeps. I have <laughs> several creeps that I keep teasing and then never fulfilling. <laughs> like I can't, I can't remember the last time I've told a story. I'm like, oh, I have this great one. I have this great one. I have... And then um, we just barrel over it. Like yeah. the cunts we And I'm are. interested in your two stories, but um, I have the sad, star- sorry story of um, the boy who literally never grew up. 
the little boy who voiced and God. inspired the Peter Pan um, character oh, we have to hear this. cartoon from years ago. The first fallen Disney star. Oh, please. God, oh, yeah. tell us Come this. on, get. Okay. You angels. kick us off, Cass. Have you ever heard of this kid? Bobby Driscoll. No. No. He Ooh, should Driscoll. be a house. Is he one of our own? He should be a household name. He's an American actor and child star known from um, for performances between 1943 to 1963, 1960. He was one of Walt Disney Studios most loved stars during that period. He was in Song it's of the South. a fine long career. No, so I, dear, no woman would have that. No. So dear well, to I my, pulled up a picture heart, and he Treasure does not Island. disappoint. Treasure Island. He looks like Peter Pan because he is the voice and the child who inspired the drawing of the original Peter Pan, the the nineteen fifty three version of Peter Pan, the cartoon. He actually, amazing. He received an Academy Juvenile Award for his outstanding performance in two feature films in nineteen forty nine for his role in So Dear to My Heart and The Window. Um, yeah, so he's a little he's cute as a fucking button, like isn't he? He's got that real like. Little cute face, little pinchable cheeks. He's looks. He's got mm-hmm. that slicked back kind of forties, fifties child hair where they've got loads of mm, gel in it. Bit of pomade in that, I'd say. Yeah, he's just gorgeous looking, right? But by he's the, got a fine pair of lobes. He could be related to my family. I was about to say, is that a relative of yours, Jen? Yeah, he's cute. Uh, Jen's um, got really good lobes. They're very like very juicy. chubby and sticky. I was about to say, like I'd chew on those lobes if you'd have me. So would I if I could reach one into my mouth. <laughs> Can you not? No. <laughs> What's this kid's name again? Driscoll. Brian Bobby Driscoll. Driscoll. Bobby. <laughs> the famous Irish rugby player. <laughs> Brian O'Driscoll. <laughs> oh, I am so not involved in sports ball that I had sports. no idea. No, not at all. You were talking about there. Didn't even notice I'd done that. He been very handsome in later years. Very kind of young Sean Connery. Just such a cute little child, Well, I'm child, glad right? to see he lasted. Sorry, we keep interrupting. Catherine. Go <laughs> Sorry. ahead. Just so he's one of the first. Us. He was one of the first kids to be placed under contract by Disney, to be placed under contract in the studio just to appear in loads of different Disney films. Him and Luana oh, Patton surely. were the, actually the first two actors oh. to be placed under contract. Oh. So he was, um, he played the lead character in Song of the South, which introduced live action into Disney in conjunction with like animated images. So this was the kind yeah. of thing that Disney became known for in the like, 40s, 50s. Like Jessica Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Exactly. Hey, yeah. Jess. So like that live action mix of animation and um, live actual actors. So the film turned Driscoll into chi- a child star. And that's where he received his special Academy Award for the best child star of the year. Um, was there anyone else in the category that year? I think it was just <laughs> him and his co-star. Where they both got one, a oh, special award. Kind of cruel. Um, doesn't really count, does it? Uh, he was him good, so he was Luana. a talent. Yeah, Luana. Linda Blair was nominated in the actor category, actress. And then they pulled her. Oh. Why? Because um, it transpired that she didn't voice um, the possessed Reagan. Do you remember that? Oh, a scandal. No. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Anyway, he was very successful and him and his co-star Luana became America's sweet, like just the little sweethearts. Um, they were nicknamed the Sweetheart Team and they played Aww. in loads of different things together, including So Dear to My Heart uh, with Burl Ives. And um, so they were scheduled to appear in another film together, but the release was delayed until 1948 because of the demands that the live action and animation would have to work together would have to to work on things together because obviously filming regular actors and cameras is a bit of post-production work but it's nothing compared to the level of work that has to go into putting together an animated film um but in the time he went off and he played in loads of other films he played eddie Cantor's screen son in the orko studios musical comedy if you knew susie in 1948 um and he appeared with Roy Rogers and the Sons and the Pioneers in the live action teaser for Pecco's Bill arrangement of Disney's cartoon Melody Time. Like films that like you probably they're not necessarily films that you go to as like your watch, but the ones that you would definitely definitely recognize scenes from. Um, 
so yeah he was in Treasure Island which was an international oh, hit right. um, and he was cast uh, in as Mark Ta- as Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer in another film so like really big uh, let me just get to I want to get to Peter Pan so his major major success success was his role in Peter Pan so he voiced Peter Pan in the 1953 version uh, which was produced largely between May 1949 and 51 he, he voiced it was it an animation the 1950 you the know original. the classic Peter Pan and like ah, Smee yes. and, and, and Hook and stuff yeah he's the voice of Peter Pan but also the model that that animated version of Peter Pan was um, based off so things were going really well he was flying it he was absolutely flying it he was an absolute little star Um, but after he left the Disney studios he's obviously aging out of Disney a little bit Driscoll's parents withdrew him from the Hollywood professional school which served child movie actors and sent him to the public West LA University high school instead there his grades dropped substantially he was the target of ridicule for his previous film career and he began to take drugs Ah. Oh. I was wondering when Bobby. the studio would put him on barbiturates. Yeah. So um he kind of But that's a bit of a shit one. Like he he got lifted out of the school for young Disney talent, just turfed into any old school, and of course everyone was like, Hello, yeah, who do you think Peter you Pan. are? And like in West LA as well. Um and I guess, I mean, you can understand why they do it because he's kind of raised as a child star, but he was very, very young. And as he, I guess they wanted him to get an education or like a normal childhood or teenage years. That's right. I imagine, though, he couldn't let go of the tights. Probably. And that was probably the source of the ridicule that he just kept saying that he could fly and he was never going to grow up. But exactly. he said later that the other kids just didn't accept him. They treated me as one apart. I desperately tried to be one of the gang. When they rejected me, I fought back, became belligerent and cocky. I was afraid all the time. Um, so at his request, Driscoll's parents returned him the next year to the Hollywood uh, Professional School, where in May 1955, he graduated. However, his drug use increased. In interviews later, wow. he said, I was 17 when I first experimented with stuff. In no time I was using whatever was available, mostly heroin, because I had no, I had the money to pay for it. Ooh. In 1956, he was arrested for the first time for prese- possession of marijuana, but the charge was dismissed. On July 24th, 1956, a journalist wrote in the LA Times that this could cost this fine lad and good actor his career. In, in 1957, he had only two TV parts. One as the brother of a criminal immigrant in M Squad, and which starred Lee Marvin, and another yeah. one in an episode of A Thing Called The Silent Service. He did, in 1956, um, elope with his longtime girlfriend, Marilyn Jean Rush. They eloped in Mexico and um, later had a little ceremony in L.A. So they were happy. They had two daughters and one sa- son. But unfortunately, the relationship did not last and they divorced in 1960. Um, so he had a few different uh, roles after that. He began uh, he began using it, but he began working under the name Robert Driscoll to distance himself from his previous past as Bobby um, and being typecast, I guess, as Peter Pan. So um, he had two final screen roles, one with Cornel Wilde in The Scarlet Coat and um, one in The part- Party Crashers in 1958. Again, he was in another episode of The Silent Service on TV. But he was later charged in, in 1957 with disturbing the peace and assault on with a deadly weapon after Whoa. hitting two hecklers who made insulting remarks when he was washing a girlfriend's car the charges again he'd had dropped. too much he couldn't um, take any more and shit no he just had it he just had it right so in 1961 he was sentenced as a drug addict and imprisoned in the narcotic rehabilitation center of the Californian Institute for Men in Chino California and when he left Chino in early 1962 he was unable to find work he was bitter and he said, I have found that memories are not very useful. I was carried on a silver platter and then dumped into the garbage. Oh, so oh God. he was obviously uh, couldn't get he was 
just a classic case of a child star who then wasn't successful in his you know 20s early 30s or whatever um like the other Corey mm, yeah yeah so in 1965 and when he was up between 1962 and 1965 he was on parole for that drug offense so when his parole expired he moved to new york trying to make a career in broadway but again was unsuccessful he became part of andy warhol's um art community known as the factory where he began focusing on his artistic talents he had previous yeah and i mean kind of just a lot of transferable skills there between acting expressing yourself and creating art um, still a lot of drugs in the factory. Still a lot still, of drugs, yeah. a Two lot drugs. of a lot of narcotics around in New York in the late sixties. Um, but he had been encouraged to pursue his art by poet Wallace Berman, who he befriended after joining Berman's Art Circle, also known as the Semina Circle in LA in nineteen fifty six. And some of some of Bobby's work started being considered quite outstanding. Um, and what was he doing, Cass? Painting. Painting, I think. Um, and he also started doing sort of like experimental film and experimental film um, performances. And in 1965, he was actually in an art film called uh, Dirt. Right. But he had he wasn't working consistently. He was in this artistic community. I'm sure he was having a great time, but he was short on cash. And in the late 1967 or early 1968, we don't know, a penniless Driscoll left the factory and just disappeared into Manhattan's underground. On March 30th, 1968, there were two boys playing in a deserted East Village tenement at um, East 10th Street. And they found his body lying in a cot with two empty beer bottles and religious pamphlets scattered around the ground. Um, yeah, cot, just like a child's cot, like a you know those or like a low, cot bed, like yeah, little yeah. cot beds. Low I think bed. they call them oh, just Bobby. roll out beds, cots. Yeah, the um, poor little chap. I know, such a sad ending to such a, a, a prolific little child star. But a post more, you can see how that would completely mix, mess you up. Yeah. All of the things everybody as a child are, te- are you know, you're going to be know. amazing. Uh, this is you set up for life. You're number one. Well, everyone Absolute. just adoring you. I mean, and obviously, is, I speak from experience as a child star. But this is incredible. I was on the Late Late Show as a fetus. Oh, well, there, <laughs> forgot. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And obviously, Boom. I worked very hard, as you can see, to not let it go to my head. And um, naturally. So now really, I'm just, I'm so then. humble now, you know, I'm just one of the you most, are. one of the most humble people you could ever meet. The most humble. And attractive. Um, but if this I keep is my really mouth closed this is this is really sad so when a postmortem discovered that he had died from heart failure um, from drug use but he had no ID on him at the time and the, the though they posted photos of him around to try and get an identification Dead. nobody recognised him so his unclaimed body down the street and seeing the, like a do you know this man and it's a Corpse. It's a dead corpse. But his yeah. unclaimed body was then buried in a pauper's, unmarked pauper's grave in New York nobody, City. Nobody claimed him. Nobody claimed him. What about him? his ex-wife and his, his kids? Well, he had and... moved from LA over to New York in the in the 60s. So, like, I'm sure they didn't he have... just disappeared. It just, I mean, that was worlds apart, I guess, you know? Yeah. That's mad. He did have parents, but they he had kind of like absconded to New York really he wasn't in a good place and then he got involved with the art scene and the factory and stuff and he just said he was completely uncontactable so it wasn't until the late in late 1969 um, kind of a year and a half later that Driscoll's mother sought help of officials at the Disney studios to try and contact him hoping for a union with his father who was nearing death this resulted in finally a fingerprint match at New York City Police Department, which located his burial on Hart Island. So now his name appears on his father's gravestone at Eternal Hills Memorial Park in Oceanside, California. His remains are still on Hart Island. Oh, yes. Yeah. Why hadn't they moved him? I guess the cost of exhuming the body and moving it over after 18 so, months and God. whatnot. Um, I'd leave it there myself, to be honest. Yeah, I guess, but it's still incredibly sad. How? So, how, what kind of length of time was it between 
you know, death for him just so kind being of like noticed. not even ninety ninety sorry nineteen seventy. Would it cast? What year did he die? He died in nineteen sixty eight. Um. Oh, so he died. Oh yeah. Okay. So, it, but this story and the sad story of his kind of life and death didn't really come to to. He sorry. He was thirty one when he died. Um. It didn't really come to national attention until they re-released Song of the South in 1970s and reporters at the time, you know, were like, where's we're Bobby? Like, where's mm. Bobby? And then discovered this really sad story. So like, yeah, it's mad. They just don't. Um, God, the casualties of Hollywood, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would have only been, like, he was only nine when he starred in Song of the South, you know, he was like that young. When his last kind of he was when he was Peter Pan, he was fourteen. God, so man, young, God. and Peter Pan was his last major significant, his biggest role. Like, um, but I guess on one hand that just happens. Like, I guess if you get a role when you're young, the problem is he was sort of sucked into the Disney machine. Yeah, and often those kids just aren't educated properly like i know he went to that like school for the professionals but when they're under contract in the studio system back then like they were owned completely by the studio it's so crazy that it went on and like the studio wouldn't release them from contracts and all kinds of really fucked up stuff yeah so the studio really controlled their lives oh yeah and back then was there some there was nothing yet to say i know maybe that came later with the with the kind of actors guild and um do you know the way now they under a certain age have to cast twins and things well that's what i was going to say yeah that they they work a few hours a day yeah 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 whereas he was probably run ragged yeah yeah Um, isn't it isn't it um judy the film on judy that came out last year yeah I never saw and, it. Oh, it's very good. Kind of you see. Who plays her again? Renee Zellweger. Oh yeah, of course. Ah. And she was uh, having a bit of a comeback herself um, during that. Do you remember last year when she made that speech, basically being like, "Everyone Hollywood didn't want to know me," um, you know, for the last fifteen years. Do you remember that? It's, no. it's just no. It's like, I'm definitely going to go back and watch. Yeah, that. yeah. She's kind of ballsy. Remember, she went out with Damien Rice for a while. That kind of was funny. Did she Irish did? Of course, that was brilliant, Cass. Um, you must listen to. You must remember this because it is full of the lost stories of Hollywood, oh. and it's God. They're they're harrowing. Like, um, with Karina Longworth, great name, great voice. Mm. She's velvet on the mic. Sad. It is. What are you sad. making there, sir? I'm um, undoing. I'm making. Um, the cross stitch of um, the cover of Corpsing. Corpsing. Yeah, and uh, I'm just undoing a bit of a blunder that I made here. So isn't that lovely, jubbly, yeah, lovely? Well, uh, what what did you have for us this week, Soph? Hungry, hungry Germans and a drunken oh, right. Indian. Yeah, that's what Who'll I got. Who will go first? What do you Let's have hear it. Yeah, okay. I have um, horrendous skydiving tales of survival and also death. Oh, okay, wonderful. I feel like mine's more cheery. So will I kind of bring us out? Sure. Okay, My go. story begins only a few years ago. And it is, like, I understand people get very passionate about their sports. And skydiving is uh, seems to be one that people really get into and get very addicted and i dipped my toe into the world of the stories of things that happen to people when they're skydiving and there's a lot of i'd say skydiving is that sport that you do have to fully commit to because if you're only half arsed you know like you can go play a game of five aside and stand back and kick it now and then but like if you're only half arsed when it comes to a skydive then you're in a lot of trouble do you know um, really are. <laughs> we went uh, skydiving Seb and I in New Zealand and you know Seb's pretty big big enough to play yeah. Seb Kemper uh, yeah. patrons know um, <laughs> join our patron <laughs> patron.com forward slash the creek dive anyway um, Seb's guy Seb um, you know you jump in tandem when you're you know a yeah, not, a, just a customer and um, Seb's guy came out and he was so tiny that when they got kind of um, attached to each other to get ready for the jump, 
It looked like Zeb was wearing a small knapsack. That was a man. It looked. But like, where did they attach them? Or like, they're both feet on the ground? Or did Seb just walk around like a... Like a, with a little like, man, like a little kangaroo, so with like a little a baby Joey. Character. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, you get attached in the plane right before oh, you jump out. Of course, out. that so makes you have to kind so of much more sense than bonding attached on the ground in the way that I, I had it in my head. You have to kind of crawl into their lap um, as the plane is, you know, going up. Getting, anyway, going up. Hit us, Jen, okay, with these intense the skydivers. Our show, an amazing gentleman called Will Slattery. A born survivor who got very lucky on this particular day. Will was a veteran skydiver, massively obsessed, hugely involved in the community, and the community is tight. Okay. Like they, he described them like a family. He was a member of a club. They were his best mates. Everybody checked up on each other. You know, it was. In, I guess it has to be that to a certain degree because you know. I must check this, but I do believe you have your main parachute. You also have an auxiliary parachute and both of which get checked before each dive. And I think sometimes, maybe not all the time, but often people will check each other's double check Mm. Mm. uh, so that the lines are packed away straight in order to make sure, you know, you just want to lessen the chance of death. Um, But anyway, Will was with his two mates and they said to each other, Jimmy and Manny were the two lads he was with. And they said, you know what, lads, let's go to Costa Rica. It's going to be fucking amazing. It's really warm. We can skydive in shorts. It's going to be brilliant. Let's do it. So they were part of their club and they said their club, look, we're going off on this adventure. Club said, cool, have a great time. We'll check in with you, see how it's going. And off they went. So they had done that day four dives sorry they were on their about to embark on their fourth dive of the day seems extravagant doesn't it anyway does they hopped onto the plane which exactly the plane which had proven to work the previous three times so they said look see everything's working let's just do it again and uh, they were having great fun because they were getting left kind of dropped down out of the plane and they would come onto the beach and their hostel was right there and they are having my crack, probably picking up the, you know, skydiving punani or asshole or whatever <laughs> you're interested in. But uh, the sexy men on the beach with the parachutes. Oh, anyway, I think up I they went, they got in. One. Do yourself. So they embarked in, full of chats. Uh, one of the lads, uh, Jimmy, used to, on his helmet, have this jester's hat that he would wear for every year. Uh, just because he was a mad bastard and everything's great crack. And it was. They were they were living their lives. Fair play to them. So up they went. Not and for long. It wasn't, it wasn't long before that they, basically they kind of went into a very dense cloud. And immediately the plane dropped in the <gasps> sky. Uh, our, our, man in the, our man in the plane, Will, said... They were banging off the ceiling and then <gasps> whacking off the floor. And they were in this little plane Shit. saying to each other, we've got to get the fuck out of this plane because bits are falling off of the plane. The turbulence was out of control. They were like, we're all wearing parachutes. We can do this. Let's get out. They tried to get the side of the door open, you know, the big door. Uh, tried once. It whacked them all back. Tried again. It flung open. They were like, grand, let's do this. They all looked at each other. They nodded. They were all in it together, the three lads, and they jumped out of the fucking plane. So they were three of them hurtling to the ground. Will said he could see his man, Jimmy, with the Chester, with the kind of, you know, Jester hat on. But Jimmy was looking unresponsive. They had these parachutes that seemed to automatically eject. Well, they automatically eject at a certain uh, foot in the air and their parachutes had gone off. They had no sense of where they were. Well, they, I guess they were wearing those clock, those watches, but they couldn't. It was all happening in a blind panic. Gotcha. And I looked over. And at, before uh, you um, pull the parachute, you spin. You're just mm. spinning. Oh, well, I suppose well, maybe yeah, they were so fall. experienced. Maybe that they knew how to not spin. But that's what I remember about doing it is that before the parachute went or you just were spinning. Around well, that could be that sounds all more disorientating again. Yeah. Anyway, he was able to fix his eyes on Jimmy. Jimmy slumped down head resting against the the lines. He was like, what the fuck happened to Jimmy? Anyway, they were hurtling towards the sea and uh, Manny was right beside him. 
kind of he could see him he was below parachute up everyone's got their parachutes up and uh, they were just heading for the ocean and he was like okay um we're doing this we're going to drop into the ocean and everything's going to be okay we'll get rescued anyway they our guy will hits the ocean He's like, get this fucking parachute off me fast because, of course, that'll all tangle and make you drown. Took yeah. his parachute pack off, took his shoes off. He was like, I'm sinking here, <gasps> wearing shorts because he was in Costa Rica and he was having a nice time. He left them on and ripped off his shirt. Anything that he felt like was restricting him because his first mission was going to be, I'm going to save Jimmy. So he took off in the direction that he thought he saw Jimmy's parachute um, in the sea as he was falling. Remember Jimmy with the slumped head? Yeah. And uh, gone. No sign of fucking Jimmy. In the time your man took to kick off his shoes, he Jimmy had just sunk into the, oh, the abyss. Like, and then there was Manny. So he turned around. He was in the ocean. He was like, okay, we'll go back to Manny. He was right beside me. Swam back. Manny, gone. No. Everybody oh was gone. Oh my he God. Had, oh, during the fall as well, he, was, he could also see the plane. So he dropped down. The two lads dropped and he looked over plane nose diving into the ocean and now sinking so he <gasps> looked up to find the plane oh which which contained the pilot and this other guy this trainee guy this younger guy gone it was just will everyone was fucking Whoa. gone will was like holy shit bags i'm floating here in the pacific my mates are all dead how do i get out of this couldn't see land he was like right well I'm just gonna have to float here until or swim in a direction. I don't even know which way is land. And uh, then he was like, "There's loads of sharks here." He started oh. to be. He started to think to himself, "Okay, well, we know shark smell can taste blood from miles away. It's not going to be long before the sharks get me." And a bit of time passed, and then he started deciding that that's the way he would like to go. Oh. So he was sort of thinking, "There's no way for me out of here. I'm not going to last more than 24 hours in this in this dire straits. I have nothing." And everyone's dead. I need to die too. Oh and uh, so he started sort of flailing around a bit in the ocean, thinking that might attract something to eat him. And nothing, nothing came. So he was just bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful brineys. Except in a sad, sad way. And he was sort of bobbing Welcoming along. death by shark welcoming death by shark and did me then float directly into a school of stinging jellyfish oh. and he was like mother of fuck this isn't gonna kill me this is just gonna make my death longer and you know i'm there's a certain amount of discomfort here now i'm in pain and the sharks i uh, sorry the jellyfish had kind of you know there was st- he was stinging all over there he had welts all over his legs the seawater was stinging it <laughs> the life crew and he was like, come on, this is bad. Light was fading. He was still doing the doggy paddle in pain now, just cursing the world, just being like, fuck this. I'm never, night is coming. It's going to be bleak. So he sort of lay back in the ocean and just, you know, he was just like, all right, well, we're just going to float here until, you know, death comes for me. And uh, nothing happened for ages. And then out of the corner of his eye, he saw something, something massive floating directly towards him in my head i don't know why i expect it to be the disney cruise i've just conflated these two (laughs) stories in my head like the disney cruise i made it sound bigger than it is yeah it wasn't at all as massive as a disney cruise but it was a big floating brown thing and he was like that's a fucking sea crocodile (gasps) This this guy is like bad luck brian Right. I didn't well, even wait know sea for it, crocodiles were a thing. Sea, Me neither. Not a thing. Weren't wasn't a sea crocodile at all. Wasn't it a whole fucking tree floating towards him? <gasps> oh my god! A savior, a miracle in the ocean of the Pacific, floating a huge tr- log, an enormous one, and he f- flopped up on it like a kind of um, you know, you know, like a floppy thing like in Kate Winslet exactly on the wooden door yeah and i got up on it and said to himself this is it like i am going to float around on this thing i might actually have a chance of survival maybe i will live maybe i will so anyway he's flown on there right so he's kind of changed the mind about the sharks yes yes he's got he's got hope now again okay terrible dry land flailed around right we're on dry land and i'm going to introduce you to a lady called tanya now no offense tanya 
but you're a fucking moron, right? Tanya was, if she listens, I'm sorry, I don't know you personally, I was just doing that for, for effect. They, Tanya was part of a ground crew that apparently you should have, you know, who was like, oh, I haven't seen, they, she was basically located at the drop-off point where the lads were going to be. So she was going to pick them up in her van or whatever, be there. And uh, she was in contact on the radio with the pilot, or should have been. So she was standing at the drop-off point and there was no sign of the lads. There was a huge big dark cloud in the sky. She was sort of, you know, walking back and forth. She's like, fuck, I don't see them. No one's on the radio. I'm going back to the point at which they took off. She got into her car. She drove back to the point at which the plane took off. No fucking sign of the lads. So she was panicking uh, for six hours. Oh my God. ringing the fucking help line Six? whatever that oh, exists I mean Coast Guard it's a I love the way yeah <laughs> sorry Kat. Tanya was just panicking for yes six hours six hours of panicking I love the way all of our reaction was stronger to Tanya stressing for six <laughs> hours than it was to fucking the lad in the ocean <laughs> exactly and I feel bad because I don't want to be woman bash Tanya she's the only female in this story but I don't it doesn't matter what you are you'd contacted surely before the six hours had passed however I she mean definitely the lad's club right back at home in the states and she was like they're missing the plane's gone and of course the lads were like did you call the coast guard yet tanya (laughs) and tanya's like oh i'll do that now by the time she called the coast guard yeah tanya was flapping around on the beach she calls the coast guard coast guard is like we can't look for someone in the ocean in the dark oh tanya in the morning yeah tanya with big failure there um dropped the ball majorly so her, the lads' club at home were in an absolute blind panic. And what they were doing was, of course, ringing the Costa Rican Coast Guard as well, but also contacting local boat owners, trying to get someone to get out into the water to look for their mates. You know, they were like, Jesus Christ, you know, we're only a certain amount of time. You can only live in the ocean for, yeah. you know, presuming, like, and as the hours passed, everyone, you know, presuming the worst which it was for five out of the six people who took off that day. Anyway, wheels on the log, flopping around. The night time has come. He said he sort of passed out. He did get sleep, a bit of sleep. And uh, then the morning came and he was like, he could see, sorry, when the night fell, he could see lights. He was like, that's the fucking shore. I'm going to go in that direction. But every time he tried to push his log and himself, he just kept getting, the currents were taking Mm. him back. It was you know, forward and back and forward and back. And eventually he was like, fuck this log. I've got to just take off on my own. Mistake. He came back no. for the log four times. It was oh. like himself and Wilson on the island. He was oh, like, get no. a, get a hug on to this log. I'm just going to hold on to this shit. So he held on and he was eventually fucking found. He was found then after t- 24 hours at sea, um, dragged onto a local fisherman's boat, survived to tell the tale, continued skydiving after the fact. Of course, they always do that. They do. And he said it wasn't the fault of the parachutes. It was the fault of the plane. So, you know, he just blamed the plane and he moved on with his goddamn life. What about poor Jimmy and Manny? Dead. But like, did he ever acknowledge them? He did. There was many things. The local club did lots of things there. You know, do you know what's really sad about it too? The local club had to be the ones to contact everyone's family. So they were like, we've got to let these guys know that the plane's gone down and oh, you know gosh. hard to be the only survivor of something like that and yeah. also he was you know in in this interview he was asked you know will do you think you made the right decision you know jumping out of the plane when you did i mean could you, could you have seen this go any other way and of course he was like well no yeah and fuck no we looked at each other and just by sheer luck i survived this there was nothing i did differently there was nothing the lads didn't do it was just a stroke of a very bad luck for them and you know fortuitous chance for him yeah for him very hard must mustn't it be to be like survive but then to go back again i you know that's like the climbers and the base jumpers and the free divers there's something there in it that is you know they can't adrenaline on it you know i did also it's a real way of life i think 
Yeah, it's an incredible a miracle that he didn't have suffer hypothermia because he was in the water the entire time as well. But they reckoned the jellyfish might actually have saved his life by stinging him, giving him a sort of natural adrenaline flowed through him, and that might have been able to stave off, you know, hypothermia. the hypothermia and the yeah. you know just kind of That's jolted him so back into existence. Yeah, very amazing. So, and that fucking log. Nature like, where, is beautiful. Where did, did that, that log come from? come from? Do you have any Do you idea how far off the coast he was? Miles. He was miles off the coast. And he was also nowhere near where the plane crashed. So the recovery uh, boats and helicopters just looking in the wrong place altogether. Like a needle in a haystack, so. My God. That's amazing. A miracle of survival, but also stupidity in one sense. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because of I all the know, people like, I was looking. I would panic it was so just, much. I you think. would. I'd drown myself in a panic. Very hard to do that, so It is really hard. You could swallow a fuckload of seawater might bring the end closer. But that might be your only real chance. Of I'm so defeatist as well that I'd be like... <laughs> You're gone. Oh, no, it's too much effort to try and survive. I think I'll just go. Just I know. Go. I felt I've stayed too long. I think it's time. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of my story. Well, I had a small other story, but I won't. I'm, you've barely any time here, so. That's okay. Tell us. Little. Are you sure? Okay, Snippet for the Road. It's an amazing other story about this girl who, fucking, my tab's gone. She was, uh, like you said, so she was like Seb. So she was on her very first skydive she was on a european three-month trip presumably interrailing uh it was 2013 her name is emma carey she talked to herself off i go now and do the thing and i'll get on and do the skydive and it's all grand because don't i have your man in the back mm. you call him again and the knapsack <laughs> yeah the knapsack yeah. man the little man yes i mean yeah the, the instructor encourager you know the guy yeah. who stuck to you so she does it. There's the guy who's in charge. Like, you don't do a thing, really. Mm. Yeah, she was, she was up there. There's pictures because it was 2013. She has pictures of herself, sky, you know, in the plane before, mm. they, before they took off and landed terribly. But anyway, uh, so basically up she goes and uh, she, they left the plane at the appropriate time. That was all going, going to plan. Um, and she was on the skydive and apparently she was like, this seems to be going on longer. Like, like the where's the parachute? <gasps> yeah. She oh got God. trying to get your man's attention who was in her backpack. He passed out. He, yes. Oh my God. He was fucking unconscious. So basically what happened was um, her oh. parachute and emergency chute became tangled, choked the instructor. Not to <gasps> so He was passed out. Oh I, my I god! Sure uh, so he was passed out. She was like, "Hey, hey, Stephen, <gasps> Stephen!" Oh my god! Stephen! And like, when you're falling, yeah. it is so loud. Like yeah. it's whoa! All that shit. It's just like those cool glasses. Yeah, desperate, very bad. Right? Is it? So would they you were say free falling. Desperate. desperate. Yeah, this is fucking. Am- but you no, know, they were free falling. Uh, the pair fell to the ground so free fast falling. that Emma, who was conscious at the time was positive this is it the impact is going to kill me it's over Uh, she said here i don't i didn't think it was possible for someone to survive something like that i remember thinking i am not ready to die can you imagine that so uh, she took the brunt of the fall landing on her stomach (gasps) while the instructor landed on top of her oh my god and she felt she was conscious the whole time she tried to get up then when they landed to help him and and they landed on ground were out of action they landed on the ground. So Jesus. Emma's spine was broken in two places. Oh, she broke her pelvis, shattered her beautiful teeth. Um, the main thing was, the main thing was when she broke, uh, she says here, but the main thing was when I broke my back, I also got a spinal cord injury. So I was paraplegic. She told this in an interview with the Daily Mail Australia. Uh, she spent four months in hospital in both Switzerland and Austria. There's a lot of pictures of her and her recovery. Uh, she has since regained movement in her legs and she's absolutely stunned all the doctors. They couldn't believe it. Uh, wow. Emma did lose feeling in her lower limbs, which resulted in uh, a, a, like a wound on her foot that she didn't notice. And oh, of course, shit. it got worse and worse. And um, 
you know, she had to go, she they, she recovered from that. They didn't take her foot away. And uh, she's now an advocate for spinal injuries. She's fucking flying now. Uh, fair ball well, but um she, sorry not in that sense i apologize emma if you're listening uh i don't know why i think she might be listening and i uh, apologize she for is, singing tom petty in the middle of your story I, emma absolutely that was insensitive sure. what i'm just scrolling through here and i'm sorry with big oversight but i can't see what's happened what happened to her instructor Jeez, what is um, that soft landing there for him perhaps perhaps Jesus. i will get back to you with that but incredible Incredible recovery, mad. but what an what a frightening ordeal! I thought. And you're by just the way, trying to interrail. In the, <laughs> you're just trying to collect experiences so that later on a podcast you can be like, "Oh, totally. I skydived," you know. Exactly. And then you can you interject just with all this annoying stuff. That's like, it. You're just fucking when I was skydiving. Uh, you're, like, <laughs> you're uh, what's the word when you get shamed into? You're like peer pressured. You're peer pressured into these things. Oftentimes, you don't want to do them even. And then you're like, I'm just fucking myself out of a plane here for, so I can take a picture of myself doing it in order then to show other people that I have in fact done it. Why are you doing this? Ah, no, it's amazing. It's really good. Like when, when I, I did I, it, I tell you, I don't know if you know that I've skydived myself. You, when you I have did it, um, <laughs> I wanted to go straight up, like straight away again. Again. Yeah, because it was of the rush, fucking I guess. Amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. But you know, the first story you told, I thought it was going to be this other story that I heard one time about this guy who was skydiving in the community, just from the skydiving yeah. community. Yeah, <laughs> on one of our WhatsApp groups. WhatsApp crew. Yeah. Um. So um, he uh, was skydiving and landed. Uh, grand, but. Okay. passed out or something like it was uh, yeah I think he passed out right and he was landing on a beach just like your fellas and didn't he pass out face down in like two inches of water and drown oh <gasps> imagine now miserable ending. that is that's a like, black fly yeah. in your chardonnay chardonnay to quote certainly is Alanis. Is ironic yes that's exactly awful I know and it's the very pathetic it, would thing. Would you say it's desperate? Thank you, thank you, Jen. Um, that was that. Was, they were great. They were brilliant. Do you want to hear I some mean, quick hungry, hungry Germans, or will I Hell save yeah. it for next time? No, I'd say go for mm-hmm. it. Let's go for it. Okay, so one of these stories is actually quite recent. So you'll probably remember it, but I don't think we discussed it in detail on any of our various shows. The creep. Uh, spin-offs so it is the story of the um well stefan r who was a is a german teacher and he um teaches let's try to find what he teaches again maths and chemistry wholesome beautiful at a secondary school right and didn't he murder and eat a man Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I do recall this guy. It was only from a teacher. It's disappointing. From a teacher, it's unusual. Um, even still, still really wanting the kids to go back to school. Fucking so hard. Um, even if it is risking cannibalization. Would one bother to eat a child though? Would you? Well, it's you're right. Hungry. That would be a snack. Yes. And like You'd need a class of kids them. as well. They're very kind of sinewy, really. You know, it's a rare that there's a kind of a real juicy kid. They go yeah. through a juicy phase as babies, but um, that would be that's a dark deed. Um, so anyway, basically, Stefan um, put a um, personal ad um, on a gay dating site and um he is suspected of murdering um, a lovely man who never did anything. Interestingly, also called Stefan. <laughs> so, Stefan. Oh, the tale of two Stefans. The tale of two Stefans. So, police basically first became suspicious when um, there was, this is very Dennis Nielsen, by the way, Um Somebody found a fleshless human bone in a park. Um, oh. 
Do you remember the way Dennis Nielsen used to go on his little walks with his dog and just like drop bits of human viscera around his like neighborhood parks when he was on, you know, another fucking walk, basically, to use Emma McLeod's term. Uh, And anyway, so the fleshless bones were found in the park. They got sniffer dogs. Sniffer dogs led detectives directly to an apartment. This is all in Berlin. The apartment was Stefan R's. I called them Stefan T and Stefan R. So Stefan R is the um, the hungry, hungry German. And uh, so anyway, the investigation uh, revealed that the Matson chemistry teacher had um, searched for a lot of cannibalism related content online. Same, hon. Mm. Um, and had once engaged the Internet on the question. This is such a weirdly phrased. <laughs> so basically Googled. Um, whether a person could survive having their penis cut off, which I can tell you, Stefan R, as a longtime creep, yes, you can. Um, so then, uh, basically, they still didn't know who'd been eaten, but then Stefan T's flatmates had reported him missing. He had left his apartment shortly before midnight, which is very much a hookup. And I don't think that Stefan T, I just... If he was hoping for more, well, he wasn't going to get it. But then also he got more than he expected, I suppose. Mm. Um, Like if he was looking for a long-term romance is what I mean. Like you don't go and meet a date just before midnight if you think there's potential No, no, not at all. It doesn't scream long-term commitment. You can't even go see a late movie. It's No, No, you're right. Maybe in Berlin you can because it's very cosmopolitan as this story illustrates. Anyway, um, so the leg bone was found and then um, they questioned Stefan R. They, Jesus, like he, they found just blood and like bones all over his apartment. Like very much like my other half just didn't clean up after himself, didn't clean up after the meal. Like he might have rinsed the plate, which would be very Sebastian White move, but doesn't appear to think that the pots and pans or in this case, the blood everywhere counts as part of the wash up. Mm. Anyway, but so wasn't he in a frenzy of lust I th- or hunger? Yeah, I don't hunger. know if they actually banged before um, the murder. But anyway, um, they did. Then after they arrested Stefan, just more bits and bobs kept surfacing. So like a torso was found a few days later, um, which oh. is grim. Uh, it was described in some reports as, it's so gross, police found parts of Stefan T's trunk, quote, with flesh attachments. Oh, which is God. just, no. Weak. So anyway, that's ongoing. Delicious. So that's our first hungry, hungry German, right? The Germans are mad for it. As we all remember, Armin Muse. <laughs> Um, oh yes who is one of our great early creeps um so this story fascinated me right a german police officer killed a man he met in a cannibal forum so Hmm. yeah basically in dresden that might have been his driving force to joining the police service that's a lot of foresight do you think so this uh policeman was um, in his 40s. So presumably he joined the police, you know, in his 20s. Do you think that he spent like two decades? That's a long game, isn't it? That's a Definitely. real long game I move. do. I All think right. it's like a, a kind of a little niggle. And you're like, why am I in this? You know the way you find yourself places and you're like, oh, my body just came here. Mm. You know, it's something in you guiding you in this direction. And then he was sort of obviously doing a lot of looking online about it, growing it inside himself like a little from a seedling. And then eventually it just got too big for it to stay in and it needed to get out. A get out and then get back in, basically. Yes. So the, the police officer, this is very intriguing, right? Now he denies murder, denies eating. Actually, no, I think he doesn't deny the eating so much as denies the murder and claims that the victim killed himself. And I suppose that'd be like... They always push it back onto the victim, don't they? He was dying to be eaten. Hey, hey. 
Um, yeah, like in Armin Muse and stuff, they met on a cannibal forum too. And like, that was always Armin Muse's story as well. That like, I was doing the guy a favor. He wanted to be. So anyway, the killing took place at a hotel, which I find so weird. Mm. And um, the police officer filmed himself dismembering the corpse, like to cherish the the memory forever. He deleted the video, but obviously very hard to delete anything permanently. As I well know, trying to free up space on my phone, very difficult. (laughs) And uh, so didn't the police manage to kind of resurrect the video and in the video, the policeman could be heard saying, as he dismembered a corpse, I never thought I'd sink so low. Then, same <laughs> raising hunt. himself. Same. I never thought I'd sink so low as what I googled next on my little oh, quest no. of like mini kind of cannibal creeps. Like, so I just was like, geez, you know, it'd be a mad one if you ate your own mum. So then I Googled son eats mum and lo, a son has eaten his mother. Have you had quote, parental controls on your home computer? Because I'd say that search result would, would garner some very different results. Oh, in are, Jen's are you suggesting house. eat mum out? That's exactly what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course. Of course. I'm such Jen straight on. I porn just right beside her. <laughs> so anyway, didn't this son, this is the drungry, drungry, drungry Indian. He stabbed his mum to death and ate her heart with a side of chutney. I would have involved a pickled lime, I think. Um, I would del- put a fried egg on that. Mm, I like it. Do you I know like what I got the chutney. From? But I mean, I you got, could, um, it could be any meat if you're using chutney. True, oh, yeah. true, true. Um, Nothing like an organ meat to really just meet up a curry. That sounds um, awful. awful. I don't know um, whether the heart was actually introduced into a curry at all. Just that it was, quote, smothered in chutney. Wow. Um, so really? what happened? Yeah. So what happened was this guy, his name is Sunil uh, Kuchakurni. And he, right, apparently... It all started when he went to his neighbor's house while really drunk and started asking Looking for, for something a, a to eat. To yeah. eat the chutney on. He just needed to get the chutney in. <laughs> just and there was a no, vehicle no, for just his a vehicle chutney. For the chutney. That's how I feel I about mayonnaise. We've all been there. We've all been We've there. We've all been there. That's how I feel about the white masu peanut rayu, which I would eat with my mother's heart if that was all that was going. So anyway, when they wouldn't give him any food, he instead went and this is quite a big move he went to northern india now i don't what do know you mean that <laughs> night yes now i don't know actually how far this distance was from his house but i just really like the phrasing of this <laughs> article which is but when they denied him a meal he went to his 65 year old mum yalava's home in northern india instead like he must have been so drunk to still be drunk by the time he arrived there but anyway he got there and yalava was probably like sunil you are drunk you're drunk. Get away. Get, Get out, out of here. I can't, can't have a cracker. You. Shut up about I the chutney. believe you. And then he stabbed her to death mm. and cut out her heart. Jesus. And obviously seasoned it with a chili, pepper and the aforementioned chutney. And uh, yeah, Did it he seems very it? sudden. Like he initially just went looking for a bit of food. Nothing like mum's cooking, except if you have my mum, it's grand. I would say she really cooks the crap out of a lot of stuff, particularly meat and, uh, you know, the vegetables that you might like a bit of crunch to. Not Mary. No, no. Anyway, she likes a flaccid green bean. Oh. Um, I know. So anyway, suddenly, in a fit of rage, gagged her, stabbed her to death. End of. He was reportedly seen walking out of the house with blood... And presumably chutney smothered all over his hands. Um, right. Incredibly. Sunil is married and has their, has three children. But. Wonders never cease. It's not going what so ha- good. It's just a bad day. Bad day. 
Good, good person, people, you know. bad day. He's just hangry. Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. The no, harsh ones, but the harsh ones. That was a joy. Shouldn't laugh at the demise of another. That was <laughs> joyous. Thank you all for coming. Don't forget... You're getting a free tote if you sign up with a patron while stocks last. I'll tell you now, there's not that many of them left. Get no. in, get on it. Now's the time. Loads of shit are on there. Sophie, you're doing the creep to creep this Wednesday? It's my creep to creep and I'm pretty excited. I have an I'm going to do a video audio one. special. Oh, wow. Mm. I have an yeah, excellent... and there's going to be bonus stuff in mine that Ooh. like... Nobody wanted, definitely not. Nobody Last week this, we were all so prepared for the Zoom. We had three presentations. They were all superb. <laughs> that video is now up there. And oh, thank you. Um, we have loads. There's so much content on the Patreon. If you would like to come on over, give us four euro oh, per come month. Come on get over, a four euro get month. some content, Support get some special shout. And more importantly, be on the receiving end of our undying love. Yes. Yes. Guaranteed. Your heart see you next will week. be ours. Bye. Bye. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.